It is truly a privilege to be here with you this morning. I was sitting there thinking, I've stood on this platform a number of times, not before you, but before the district conference as we meet here. And for a lot of years, I have served as the district treasurer in the Western Pennsylvania District of the Wesleyan Church. And so I've given treasures reports from this platform, but uh, it's my privilege this morning to be here in a concerted effort between Overflow Church, Hyde Wesleyan Church, and Beach Creek Wesleyan Church as we look at the next steps where God is leading us. I want to say thank you to all of you this morning. Hyde Wesleyan Church, you are amazing. As I was sitting there, I was thinking just a little while ago, the fabric of our district would look so different if Hyde Wesleyan was not here and not leading the way, not only now, but leading the way in missions. You are the iron that sharpens iron. I was sitting there thinking, you know, there would not be the well in Phillipsburg if it were not for Hyde Wesleyan Church. There would not be Overflow Church in Altoona if it were not for you and your faithfulness partnering together in the work of God. And I just want to say thank you. I love your pastor. He's one of the greatest guys in our district, and he is one of those iron guys that sharpens iron. And I count it a true privilege to serve together with Pastor Bob. And uh, I'm grateful for him at Beach Creek this morning as he's challenging the folks there. Now, I have to tell you, this is weird. And uh, we preachers get into our own uh, ruts and into our own schemes. Somebody would say that it might even be odd that we're out in these places. We get comfortable in our own pulpits. We get comfortable in our own settings. And uh, for these few weeks, we are kind of kicked out of our comfort zone. Last week was way out of my comfort zone as I went to Altoona and uh, shared with the folks at Overflow, God is doing something amazing at Overflow Church. And there are great things that are growing out of uh, the, the church plant that's there. Kind of reminds me of the guy that was named Odd. Did you hear about him? His mom and dad, when he was born, thought he was just a little guy. I'm a walker, and so just you, I'll be all over the place this morning. His name was Odd, and he went through life the brunt of bullying, I guess we would call it today. And wherever he went, everybody would make fun of him because his name was Odd. As he grew in life, he had been the brunt of joke here and there and everywhere. And as he got later in life, it came to the place where he said, when I die, I don't want my name anywhere remotely put on my tombstone. And so the inevitable happened, Odd died. And so when Odd died, his family honored his wishes, and all they put on his tombstone was the date of his birth and the date of his death. They erected it there in the cemetery. And while it was there, people would walk through the cemetery, and I enjoy looking at tombstones and some of the epitaphs that get written thereon, people would walk through the cemetery, and as they would walk through the cemetery, they would point at that stone, and here's what they would say, that's odd. 
And so even in death, without his name, it couldn't get away from, uh, for, from that designation. This is weird, being out of our uh, comfort zones, but it is incredibly good for uh, Richard, for myself, for Pastor Bob, and for Sam Scribe. Sam was at Beach Creek last week. Sam is one of you. And Sam just challenged the people in a marvelous and in a wonderful way. We're talking about 290,000 reasons. It's the unchurched. In a six-county area, Blair County, uh, Center County, Clearfield County, Clinton County, Indiana County, and Huntington County. Recently, we were on a uh, vision tour with the district, and as we walked a mall in, uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania, the Mill Creek Mall, we were there for lunch. We, we were there with a mission, and the mission was this, as we walked through the mall, to pray that God would show us people as they really are. And I have to be honest with you, sometimes in life we get caught up in routine, we get caught up in ministry, we get caught up in work, we get caught up in all of our personal activities. We see people at the Walmart, and we see people at the Sheets, and we see people at the grocery store, but we really don't catch the glimpse of these people who are without a shepherd, of these people who are without hope, of families that are hurting of families who've never heard the wonderful message of Jesus Christ and how he can transform hearts and lives. It's kind of unthinkable, isn't it, for those of us on the inside of the church that there are people that have never heard the real message of God's love and God's transformation and God's grace. We focus on 290,000 of those people here in the western Pennsylvania district isolated into six counties as we look at it who need to know Jesus and God has put us here for such a time as this a part of my life has been uh, given to emergency service and uh, I have lived almost 30 years of my life with a pager and that pager would go off, I would drop everything, it began in the fire service and then led on to, to emergency medical service, and everything would become a moot point at that uh, time because of the urgency that someone was in need. I used to remember at church when I pastored in Conshohocken, that's a suburb of Philadelphia, I was the chief of our ambulance squad there. We sat right along the Schuylkill Expressway. We spent a whole lot of time on what's called the shore kill, if you're familiar with that, leads you into the city of Philadelphia. And I had a bunch of guys in my church who were also part of the fire company and the ambulance. I would never carry my pager to church. Because it really wouldn't look good if the pastor would just say, hey guys, somebody's in an accident out on the expressway. I've got to go. But they could get up and go, and I was all right with that. And so these guys would sit at church, and, and their pagers would go off. And if you're familiar with that sound, that minute or beep, 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 beep. And immediately there was an urgent need, an accident, a fire, a medical emergency, whatever it was. They would drop everything, discreetly get up and leave church and go on their way. Since I was the chief, I decided that I needed to kind of be in, uh, up in what was going on, 
And I'm a sound sleeper, and so at night when I would go to bed, you know, I'm the kind of guy that if the roof blew off the house, I'd wake up in the morning and say, wow, what, what happened here last night? And so the ambulance company bought me an amplified charger. That was so I would hear it in the night. And so it would go off ten times louder than normal when you plugged it into this thing. My wife would scrape herself off the ceiling about the time it went off, and then she'd shake me and say, hey, honey, you, you have a call. She's a good woman to put up with that for a lot of years uh, across time. But there was an urgency. They gave us sirens and red lights to play with, and if you're involved in the emergency service, you know the best siren that they ever made is a federal cue, and that's that little silver thing that's sitting on the front of any fire truck that goes... And couple that with some traffic blaster air horns, you can move the Schuylkill Expressway out of your way when you go. Because there's an urgent need, we're going to invest all of our time and all of our resource immediately to respond to the need. I'm so grateful. I'm officially retired. I'm a member. I serve as chaplain, but I I, uh, no longer chase fire calls and ambulance calls, and when things go on in the night, I'm grateful for the people that do it. But there's an urgent need. When we're having chest pains, we don't want to wait 15 more minutes to get an ambulance out to us. We need that ambulance, like, right now. You know, when I look at that, and I look at 290,000 reasons, isn't there an urgency in the message that we proclaim and that we preach? We don't have red lights, we don't have sirens, we don't even have pagers that summons us, but we have God's word that calls us to task and calls us to the mission and to the ministry that's set before us. The 290,000 reasons are why we're preaching in different churches this morning. The 290,000 reasons are why we're partnering together as three churches, Overflow Church, and this is Richard's brainchild. You can be proud of that guy for sure, and uh, as he has hailed from you guys, Richard got a hold of Pastor Bob and me one day. He said, listen, he said, Overflow wants to plant a church but we can't do it alone. How about Hyde and Beach Creek coming alongside of us and the three of us do something called a network plant? He sensed the urgency of the lost that are right there. May God help us to see the 290,000 reasons as an urgent need under our watch and under our care within the reach of our churches. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. I'm reading from the New Living Translation of God's Word this morning at verse 1. Philippians chapter 2 at verse 1, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of yourselves, of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest 
in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. There are three things that I want to share with you this morning as it relates to working together. Uh, The mantle has fallen on me to talk about why we partner together. Why work together to advance the kingdom of Christ? Why work together to advance the, uh, the mission that God has given to us? And I think if we're going to work together, the very first place that we need to start is to recognize that God has a plan. God has a plan for the 290,000 reasons that we look at, who are lost, who are unchurched. And God's plan is this, salvation. God's plan comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not long ago, we celebrated Easter, and uh, as we've been studying at our church some of the post-Easter resurrection uh, appearances of Christ, one of the things that I find very, 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 very interesting is this, that in all of those post-resurrection appearances of Christ, there's a commission that goes with it. Even the ladies at the tomb on Easter Sunday morning were given the word, go and tell. Go and tell my brothers. Go and tell the disciples what's going on here, that you've seen the Lord. That evening on Easter, as the disciples, minus Thomas, of course Judas is out of the picture at that point, are gathered together behind locked doors for fear, which the scripture reminds us in John chapter 20. And as they were gathered there, they were afraid of what was going on in society. There was a story that was circulating that the body of Christ had been stolen. Some money money had been given to prepare a lie that was put out there, and all of a sudden they found themselves behind locked doors, afraid. And in their midst, Jesus showed up and he said these words, peace be with you. Peace be with you. In a little bit further into that uh, portion of scripture in John chapter 20, he, he says this, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And so God's plan for the lost is a mission, ascending, that we see there. Later on, we would find an appearance as Jesus comes to Thomas. And I like Thomas because Thomas reminds me of us sometimes. Sometimes we aren't the people of great faith that we think we ought to be. And Thomas was very boisterous. And he said, listen, you guys have seen the Lord, but I'm not going to believe unless... I can see the nail prints in his hands, unless I can touch him. And Jesus shows up with Thomas, and he says, Hey, Thomas, listen, touch, look, feel. And he gives this great statement. He says, You know, you believe because you've seen. And what a tremendous blessing that would have been for Thomas to have seen the Lord But he makes another statement. He says, blessed are those who will believe who haven't seen. There's a commission in that, isn't there? He's saying to Thomas, and he's saying to you and I, blessed are those who will believe because of the message that you preach. Blessed are those who will believe because you are my disciples. Blessed are those who will believe they've not seen 
but they'll hear it told that Jesus saves. And we're still in that business today, aren't we? That's what we're doing. Beside the seashore, there they are. You know, the fishermen fished all night and uh, caught nothing. That was a Bible college uh, question. How many fish did they catch after Jesus told them to cast their nets on the other side? I had no idea. Streeter Stewart was my uh, Gospel of John professor at United Wesleyan College. I'll never forget the answer now because I blew it on the test. It was 153 large fish that they caught there. Might be all that I know. I don't know much, but I know they had caught 153 large fish. And that was probably beyond their limit if you're in Pennsylvania. But anyway, wherever that goes. And all of a sudden, Peter is standing before the Lord. They're having breakfast. After breakfast, there's this conversation. Peter, do you love me? Do you, you know it. Peter, do you love me? Then if you love me, listen, I've got work for you to do. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. He said, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than the familiar? Do you love me more than the stuff that's all around? If you do, I've got work for you to do. It's take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me more than these? And he was kind of upset that Jesus asked him a third time, although there were three denials that kind of fits. Jesus said, listen, there's a commission to do. Jesus says to you and I, listen, go into all the world, preaching Jesus Christ, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, if we're going to find a reason to partner together because of 290,000 lost people, we first got to realize that God's up to something. And God's calling you and I as men and women, boys and girls, to be obedient to him. And you might sit back and say, you know what, I don't know what I can do. If you're obedient to God, he's got something you can do. He's got something for you in this work. The second thing that we see this morning is not only do we need to realize God's plan, which is salvation of the lost, but the second thing that we need to recognize is simply this, that we can make a difference in God's plan. If I'm driving down the road and I see somebody in their cars broken down in the intersection, I'll stop and get out of my car and go over and give them a push if I think I can get them out of the intersection. You see, if I think I can make a difference, I'm willing to respond to the need that's there. How many of us here are people that will get involved in whatever needs to be involved in if we know what the need is? One of the amazing things about a church is this, when we put the needs out, Easter eggs that need to be put back together. And I know what that is. And We, we used to let the kids take all the Easter eggs home. And uh, this year I think we put out about 1,200 Easter eggs. And uh, finally parents started saying, listen, we don't want those Easter eggs. So we started taking them back. And uh, somebody's got to put them back together. I'd mix the colors up. But anyway, that's just me. I'm weird. You know, when we make a need known, people are willing to respond to what the need is. This morning, last week, next week, and the following week, 
We're being made known of a need that's right here before us. It's 290,000 lost people. And there's not one of us that is able to rise up to the challenge that's set before us because it's too big. But when we work together, we can accomplish God's work. One of the amazing things that I see here in the Philippian letter is simply this, an admonition that they ought to love one another, an admonition that they ought to agree with one another, but an admonition that they need to work together to advance the kingdom of Christ, that the mind of Christ would be in us in this process of serving him and working for him. You see, when we work together, my friends, God can work in us. It's widely believed, it's John chapter 17, I believe, it's widely believed that it's the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was praying simply this, Father, make them one as you and I are one so that they will know that I am in you and that you're in me and that the world will know that we're in them as we reach out to the lost that are around us. Alone, God never intended ministry to be done alone. Together, together, we can accomplish God's purpose. Watch this. It's not real spiritual. Friends, alone we're in trouble, aren't we? Out of some bus commercial somewhere that, uh, that landed off of YouTube. You know, alone we're, we're in trouble, aren't we? Together we can accomplish God's purpose and stand up uh, for what God has called us to do and accomplish the task that God has called us to accomplish. We're looking to build a team, and the team's going to require people, people from Overflow, people from Beach Creek, people from Hyde. As we work together on mission outreach in uh, what looks like the Altoona region again as we plant another church there, we're looking for a launch team as we work together, people who are willing to say, God, I feel your call. And I'm not suggesting that we jump up at that. We allow God to call us to that. 
but as we put together a team that will work together as churches, as we work together to accomplish God's purpose and God's plan. Together, we're stronger. Together, we can accomplish more. Together, we're unified. I have to tell you, when Pastor Richard called me and said, Alan, I want to talk to you about a network plant where Hyde and Beach Creek and Overflow can work together. I knew all the right answers to say because I knew that God wants us to multiply. And I know that God wants us to to, to reach out to the lost. And I know these 290,000 reasons that are before us. But can I tell you, in the depths of my heart, I was scared to death. Um, we've just come through a building project at Beach Creek, and, uh, and, and you know, we look at a mortgage, and, and, and that mortgage is before us. I went to my board, and one of my board members said, oh, pastor, he said, I think that's a great idea. He said, but it sure would be easier if we didn't have a mortgage. And we dialogued about that, and we beat it around a little bit, and we decided, is, is that what our next 20 years is, or we're going to be no ministry? Because we have a mortgage, and uh, that's a fatalistic view, by the way, and uh, that we wouldn't be there in 20 years if that's the case. Finally, my local board of administration got on board, and they said, Pastor, if God is in this, if God is in this, we need to be in it, because where he's working, we need to be a part of that. I shared with Pastor Bob some of my fears and some of my concerns And he laughed. He said, your fears and concerns are exactly where I've been. Sometimes even where I am. But if God is in it, who are we to stand in the way of God's work? And if ministry is going to happen, we're going to have to take steps in leadership steps in the local level and steps in our personal life to say, you know what, God, I'm willing to be a team player. I'm willing to work together to accomplish your purpose. We're building the team. There's opportunities to be a part of the team. We're already a team as three churches. That's a given. But now for our congregations, there's opportunities to be a part of this wonderful team. And I'm extending that challenge to you, and I would ask you to pray about that and ask God what he would have you do in that. And as we pray earnestly, I believe God will minister and speak to our hearts and lead us and call us. There's a third thing, and I want to give it to you quickly this morning. We don't do this alone. If we seem to think that we can accomplish God's work just because we get together, as good as that is, and as uplifting as that is, and as wholesome as that is, my friends, we need to rely on the power of God's Spirit. Jesus told his disciples, listen, you are going to be witnesses for me. You're going to be witnesses right here at home. You're going to be witnesses across the street. You're going to be witnesses across town. You're going to be witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth. But wait, tarry in Jerusalem, he said, until you receive 
the power that's coming from on high, the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And when you receive the Spirit of God, you will accomplish God's work. They were together, 120 of them, on the day of Pentecost, gathered in the room together there in a prayer meeting. When the power of God was poured out upon them, and as cloven tongues of fire settled upon them, a mighty wind that shook the place, there was no mistake that God had showed up in that moment and in that place. Peter began to preach, and as he began to preach, the scripture reminds us that there were those who were pricked in their heart. They were pierced by the message of Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, and risen again. They were pierced by the message of transformation. And by the end of the day on that first Pentecost, 120 believers who were gathered together in oneness, who were working together under the power of the Holy Spirit, saw 3,000 converts in that day. By the end of the day, 3,120, as you follow through Acts, and I don't know if you're a fan of A.D., I've been watching that on Sunday nights and DVR in it, and uh, last Sunday night was the, uh, the Pentecost, and uh, it's going to be on for nights yet to come, NBC tonight at 9 o'clock, and uh, following the, uh, the scripture pretty closely. But when God shows up, Amazing stuff happens. And so we're not only looking to build a team of people. We are looking to build a team in conjunction, in submission to the Spirit of God. Because, friends, if we're going to reach or make a dent in the 290,000 unchurched, it's not going to be by might nor by power but by the Spirit of the living God at work in his believers as we work together to advance the kingdom. I'd like to pray for you this morning in closing. And I would like to ask God just to begin to speak to us as we build the team. God needs a few good men and women. And Hyde, you've got some good men and women. And let's pray that God will identify for us what he would have us do. Almighty God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to share here this morning. And Father, from the very onset of this service, we have felt you in our midst. God, you are here. And Lord, as we have worshipped you, and now as we have had opportunity to share your word, Father, I pray first of all that you would give us a heart to see the 290,000 reasons as they are lost and separated from God. And Father, I pray that you would spark within our hearts the calling that you have given to the disciples, to men and women throughout the centuries to get involved in the work of God. Father, together, 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 we can accomplish your task. 
But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be submissive to the Spirit of God because it's only through your Spirit that ministry happens. Father, you see us here this morning. Will you speak to our hearts? Father, will you challenge us? It might seem odd and it might seem weird because we might have to step out of our comfort zone to see the work of God accomplished. But Lord, give us hearts that are willing, willing to say yes as you lead and as you move among us. Father, will you bless this congregation abundantly this morning? Thank you, Lord, for this church and all that it means in our district and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.